Welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Paul George and Adam Conk. Right here in the studio, I'm Adam Conk. And I'm Paul George. Happy New Year, man. Dude, Happy New Year. And you're kicking off the new year with the intro of the show. Yeah. You did it. You you haven't Dude. done any intros this year. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Dude, that was money, man. That was good. You act like you've done radio before. Yeah. I have done radio before, <laughs> believe that, it or not. Dude, that was a good first show of the new year. We just went through uh, the Christmas swing, lots of craziness. So anyway, have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I'm for real. Okay, so we're going to do a have you seen, and you're going to say you know, what you've seen is like the craziest, maybe, or weirdest, or best sort of Christmas gift or idea that that just happened okay so here's mine that i've seen is the whole virtual reality goggles man like mm-hmm. so kids are getting these and you know i'm i'm neither pro or con on this okay so this is not i'm not trying to debate but um you know i went hunting with a dad and his son and then my son and you know he was saying the reason he wants to take his dad his son hunting is to get him away from the video games because he's constantly inside with the video games, right? And um, the reason I want to go hunting with my son is to spend time and get in the outdoors and we enjoy it and it's fun and whatever. Uh, and I was, so we're in hunting and I was like, well, what did you get for Christmas? So I'm asking and um, the kid says, well, I got another video game console with virtual reality, VR is what they call it. VR is like, what's VR? VR? It's like virtual reality goggles is like, you know, so this whole idea that you put on these goggles and like you're like in the scene, like they're in, it's really, really actually kind of cool, the technology on this. Yeah. And you really feel like you're in the scene, whatever game you're playing, you're driving a car or you're fighting some war or whatever the case may be, but it's becoming like intensely like real, which is funny because it's called virtual mm-hmm. reality, which means it's not reality, but you think you are in reality, which we could go all day talking about that, right? Yeah. You know, because, like, young kids are, like, signing up to, like, race cars or join the Army, but because they think that they can do what they've done on the video game. <laughs> it's <laughs> which is true. kind of funny. I've no- now that you say that, I've noticed that about a certain age range. Yeah. Is that they literally think they could do anything. Right. Because they've sat in a bing bag chair <laughs> and had virtual reality. So, anyway, to me... <laughs> Like I said, I need a pro con. I think there's a balance to it all. Mm-hmm. Like I think him getting his son away and doing stuff, yes. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of crazy to me, like where this is all going. But um, yeah. So, what's the craziest thing you've seen through the Christmas holiday? Well, the craziest thing that I've actually wanted, yeah, was a fanny pack Bluetooth speaker. Wait, talk to me. So it's a fanny pack. Okay, um, which is total eighties, dude. Yeah, and it's and they're coming back. It was pretty colorful. People are rocking the fanny packs these yeah. days. It's pretty colorful, okay. like uh, like a kaleidoscope almost. Fanny pack. Yeah, and it ha- it's a Bluetooth speaker, so you Got connect you. it to your phone, mm-hmm. and I guess your phone's in the fanny pack. I don't know, and you're just walking around. You're just walking around, listening to your tunes in the fanny pack. Now, can you have the the wireless headphones to listen to the fanny pack speaker? So you got the fanny pack speaker and then headphone, like sure, you can do anything because this is America, America, and I love being American. However, uh, I don't know why, but it just seems like I want to get that, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. Like I usually don't want things 
That would be funny. You walking around with a fanny pack would make sense. <laughs> well, I've gotten into music again lately, which is a weird thing for me to say. But, you know, I've been in the church music world for so long, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in a formation for the permanent diaconate. So if that happens, if the Lord actually says, okay, Adam, I'm going to ordain you a deacon, I really won't be doing music anymore. Right. Like I'll be deaconing. So That's as, true. as I'm approaching approaching this uh Could you be a cliff, deacon and a musician? Totally, and some do. Yeah. But not like regularly. Right. I would I wouldn't want to do that. Right. So I'm as approaching this cliff that I'm about to jump off of of music, I start to say, Well, like, what's out there now? You know, like what are people listening to? <laughs> That's I'm, good. Yeah, it's good. And You're kind of getting a little bit, you know, I don't know, in touch with the culture, what what yeah. good music is out there. Yeah. And I gotta say there are there. There are good musicians out there. I'm actually surprised. I yeah. assumed most of it was garbage. Right. And it kind of is most of it. Some of say. it is, yeah. But there's some good stuff there's out there good, being yeah, made. there's good music. It's a good music age. Yep. So anyway, I'd love my little fanny pack and walk around listening to some Adele or something like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> What's well, good that you're kind of, you know, seeking new arenas. What's what we're going to talk about so It's the first show of the new year. What does it mean to be, you know, a seeker? For this year, like, how do you want to grow and learn it? And, you know, in the last show, we kind of preempted all with talking about, you know, what does it mean to like set goals and have a vision mm-hmm, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading the reading uh, this week in scripture, and it's, you know, it's the reading. People know this reading it's from the gospel, and um, you know, the magi are going to find Jesus, and um, you know, and then it's the whole scene where they go and visit Herod, and then. Herod says, if you find the king, come back and tell me so I know where he is. Well, Herod, you know, has got a secret plan to want to, you know, kill the king because he's, you know, um, you know, intimidated by someone else being the leader. You know, he has worked himself up to be in the, you know, at least the like the the local political leader there, you know, and uh and so, you know, they but they do. They they find the newborn king and then they don't go back and and tell Herod, and of course we know scripture. It's, it's the slaughter of of the the male children in Bethlehem. Anyway, I was reading the reading. I was reading some commentary and stuff like that on it, and you know it was interesting because you know in that day the you know so many things happening the the politics and all these things a lot like today right things haven't changed like people trying to work their way up the ladder and leaders and people not not you know following certain leaders. And I was talking about how the Magi were. I mean, they, they, we don't know much about them, but they were trying to seek the truth from God of what was going to be the answer to life, right? Uh, the answer to the issue, the answer to their problems. And they knew that it wasn't Herod. They knew that it wasn't the political structure that was going to be the answer to life's big questions, right? Um, and they they knew that there was a Messiah. Hopefully, eventually, there was hope there. Uh, and so, and so they find it. But what was interesting is that um, they were they were seeking to find the truth way back when, and a lot of like what we're trying to do today, what people are trying to do today, is I think it's built into I know it's built into our DNA that we're seekers. Yeah, and it's a good thing, you know. Um, when kids ask questions, especially of the faith, we shouldn't get nervous. Especially, you know, I remember when. My oldest, Thomas, was six years old, and uh, he says, Dad, I, I don't know if this, I don't know if God's real. He seems more like a legend. Right. You know, like I hear about all these legends. He seems more like that, you know? Yeah. And I could freak out, and I could say, go to your room for the next 12 years. 
Or I could recognize this is just him seeking, yes, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And let me try to help him find what he's looking for, right? Because if if we if we are encouraged in our quest by the right people, then we begin to trust those people that they will help us find what we're looking for more, right? right? But if we're shut down, or if we if we uh, if our seeking is seen as a negative thing or a bad yeah. thing, then we're gonna want to leave that environment and find somewhere else where we can seek. Yep. That's how powerful the seeking motivation is. It's like, can I find what I'm looking for here or do I need to go somewhere else? And there's often a tension in religious families in that the seeking that children want to do is not encouraged in the right way, so they can't wait to leave and right. go seek somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's like saying that uh, some people desire happiness and some people don't. No, we all do. It's built into mm-hmm. who we are, into our DNA. It's built into who we are in our DNA to be seekers, to to look for the answers to that happiness, to fulfillment, right? So we're all seekers, and, you know, one of the things that I try to encourage people to do is ask questions, like be a seeker. Um, find the truth, because I think that eventually, like, people will, will find the real truth. Here's what's happened. Um, here's what concerns me more than anything. Like, so... Someone who is, I'm more concerned with someone who doesn't ask questions than someone who does ask questions. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I'm more concerned for the person who doesn't because in a sense they've stopped being a seeker. And I think that's more dangerous than someone who is seeking, you know, the truth, even though they haven't fully found it or wrapped their arms around it. Someone who's just settled basically and saying, well, you know, being a certain political structure is gonna that's the answer to my seeking. Um right. you know, um, you know, just opening the Bible and reading it, it's the only answer that I need. Or this marriage or this relationship or this, you know, uh job, that's that's my end. Mm-hmm. You know, that's giving me enough fulfillment for now. And so I just stop seeking. Yeah. It's so dangerous to the human heart. It is. And why? Well, because we were made to seek, and once we've found, it's not... Here's an analogy. So over the holidays, I, I had a moving moment. My aunt, this is her second Christmas without her husband, right? Mm-hmm. And she's up there in age, and so she's starting to forget a lot of things. You right. Know? And um, anyway, she. I started playing the piano like I do most Christmases, right? And she came tell me about 10 times that, oh, you know, my husband, you know, he gave me this piano. She kept saying that over and over, and she, I would play, and she would cry. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, she seeks for him every morning, mm-hmm. and especially because of her condition, but as I've heard from other widow, widows or widowers, um, you seek that person mm-hmm. in the morning, and then you discover they're gone, and there's a profound sadness, mm-hmm. right? And so... By analogy, once we've found Jesus Christ, it's not like we never seek him again. The seeking becomes a daily looking for and finding and connecting with. Um, It's not the same thing as when we sought our spouse to begin with. Like when they were dating, for example, seeking a spouse, seeking something new to add to my life. Jesus Christ, once we've found him, is not, not meant to be put on a shelf and like, oh, I got him, he's there. But he's also not something new to our life, like, oh, I need something totally different, life-transforming. But he's a, 
he's a source of something deeper every day that we should look for every day, and that keeps our human heart alive. Once we put Christ on a shelf and stop seeking him or seeking something new from him, we will look to something else. Yeah. You know, you mentioned families, and you know, particularly in today where teenagers and, and young adults and adults are kind of, you know, maybe not practicing their faith fully or going regularly or not at all. And uh, I think a lot of times people seeking is shut down, like you said. Mm. And I actually think it needs to be encouraged. Like, encourage people to ask those questions and seek and find and, um, you know, like, like, cause that's who we're created to be. Uh, but you got to steer them in the right direction as well, because, you know, I think people can seek and seek and just start grasping at things that fulfill them monetarily. You know, it's, it's virtual reality of seeking, you know, to kind of come <laughs> back to, to that original analogy is, is there's no reality in, in seeking things that don't actually fulfill us. Right. right. And so the starting point for our conversion is Jesus. Yes. Right. Because he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Like I am, I am the truth. Uh, and so that's the foundation. But conversion, you know, as we've talked, you know, in the past, rethinking isn't a one time thing. It's not like I find Jesus and then that's it. Like, like that's the beginning of our conversion is discovering the truth in Jesus and then allowing Jesus to continue to uh, unfold and uh, bring bring to light more areas and, and more things in our life that, that will help us to find the fullness of truth over time. So it's not just this one time, one moment thing. Right. And really it's a life that we live. Think of a plant in the morning, the sun comes up, and the flower or the blade of grass or whatever. I'm not a I'm not a plant guy. You don't have a green thumb. Whatever the living creature is that's not an animal, it'll go towards the sun. Right. Right? And it will follow the sun all day, and then the sun goes down. And then what happens the next day? The exact same thing, but that plant is a little bit bigger than it was the day before, just a little bit, right? Or a little more developed. Like maybe there's a process going on, like flowering or bearing fruit that's happening one day at a time, a little bit more, but it follows the sun and gets the energy from that sun. If the sun didn't come up, whatever process was going on would stop and the plant would die. Right? right. And we're just like that. Life is such that we seek an outside source to fulfill us, to, to give us direction. Human life is the same way. We have an outside source, not within ourselves, that we need to direct us today and tomorrow in the processes we're doing and the goals we have and the fruit that we're going to bear. And without this energy, without this outside source giving us our direction, life is pointless and meaningless and purposeless, and we just look in, we're looking for it. Where is it? Right. And that's the seeking. But once we're planted, we seek every day that, that Son, who is Jesus Christ himself, right. to guide us and direct us and give us life. That's why Jesus says, seek and you will find seek and you will find not don't seek don't ask just hang seek out and at your you, house. yeah just hang out <laughs> seek and you will find knock and the door will be open uh ask you know and you receive so jesus is that source of truth and foundation for us um but you know what's great about you know for us as catholics is that we have so many sources to help us to seek right and we're going to get into that but my encouragement for all of us is to not stop being a seeker, not a seeker to where it exhausts us, 
but a seeker to where it ignites our hearts to find and uncover and, and rediscover and discover the thing that really fulfills us. And the thing about the Magi is that, you know, they had science and they had intellect and they had, you know, their work and family and their jobs, but they weren't fully fulfilled. And God took what they knew in the astrology, the stars, and, and used the things that they knew how how to use and as a sign, and it pointed them to what? So, you know, they were following the stars, and they're like, I think God's telling us something. There's a sign out there that God's moving us. So, they, you know, they get on, you know, their then their caravan, and, and, and what do they end up finding? The source of the truth that they were seeking, Jesus as an infant. And that was the aha moment for them, right? But God used all those things to point them to the Christ, the seekers. And the Magi were seekers, and I'm assuming that they left there still seeking. Well, what I love about this, Paul, as you bring it up, is seekers are willing to sacrifice to find. Non-seekers aren't. <clears throat> you don't have to tell the Magi that the months-long trip and all the resources it'll take and the time away from ruling their kingdoms was worth what they were going to find. They were convicted of that already, which is why they set out on the journey. Right. And we have so many good folks that we know and love unwilling to sacrifice anything <laughs> for Jesus. Right. <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to put aside the things that we think fulfill us that actually don't, right? Mm. And that's what we're going to get into. So it's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk in studio. Happy New Year, everyone. 2019! Is that what it is? It is. 2019. Here we are. Can you see the next year yet? Do you have 2020 vision? <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was thinking about our conversation about being seekers, and, and we're going to get more into this. And, uh, you know, one of the favorite things that, to play with my kids, you know, when they were small, and uh, was hide and go seek. Like, there's just something in us to to find and to hide or something about going to the beach and looking for treasure. Like, like mm -hmm, it's built mm -hmm. in, into our DNA. And, you know, we talked about the danger one of just stop seeking, you know, and for, even for those who are practicing their faith, just be like, Oh, I found it to stop seeking, to stop learning and growing and discovering. Uh, if you think, you know, everything, I mean, you've literally like just made a decision not to seek. Yeah. Right. Because, we will never through even the course of our life fully grasp, understand, and comprehend the magnitude of who Jesus is and who God is. I mean, to a point, right? But not fully. Uh, I, I think if we, if we stumbled upon it all, like we would explode, right? If it was completely unveiled to us, um, our faces would burn off like Moses, you know, like glowing. But, 
you know, so to stop seeking would really, you know, kill our hearts. And I think to, to assume that we found, and then that's all we need. Right. Yeah. Well, and I see in the world around us, a temptation to stop seeking in this so-called tension between religion and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talked earlier about we need to we need people to help us seek well, right? Like in other words, we all have this seeking within us. We all have this desire for something more, but we need an outside person to di- help direct us toward that thing we found. Jesus used an analogy of the kingdom of God just like this. He said the kingdom of God is like a buried treasure. You're mm-hmm. talking about finding treasure yeah. that once found, you sell everything you have. Everything to buy that land. Right. Now, here's the thing about buying a piece of property, as you know, is that it's yours. Like, you you, you can maybe sell it, right? But, like, it's, it's a stable place that you come back to over and over and over, right? Right. Which, if there's a treasure in it, of course, you want to come back to it over and over. But the idea is you come back again and again and again. This is the idea of religion. Religion is, the word literally means to be bound again. It's that I'm coming back again to the same spot, the same ritual, the same thing where I found what I was looking for, that buried treasure in the field, Jesus Christ, is present in his church, right? And so I don't need to search the whole world for Christ. I know where he is, and I'm going back to him to find more of the treasure, to explore the treasure more fully. And so there's no tension between following Jesus and religion. In fact, religion is that teacher to point us to Christ, but religion is not Jesus. That's true. Right, absolutely. And the word religion in Latin, religere, translates, you know, to bind together. Uh, You know, some translations mean to bind to what? To relationship. So the Mm -hmm. word religion means relationship in in its kind of foundation. Which oftentimes people, you know, tell me is like, you know, I'm not religious or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, so you're not into relationship with God, right? Because that's what religion draws us to. Religion draws us to relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what it's meant to do. So, yes, I'm religious because it is it is the thing that draws me, teaches me about the fullness of who God is. Yeah. So... Here's the thing, like without religion, I'm off on my own. Right. I'm I'm simply the interpreter of life. I am I'm all vertical with with Jesus and who am I to self-interpret everything? Like like that's dangerous because like I know me. Like I would lose myself, right? If I'm self-interpreting everything. And so what religion does, what faith does, is it helps us to discover the fullness of truth uh, within the realm, right, of of what God has set up for us to be in relationship with him. And if we don't have religion in our life, we become seekers grasping at air. Like right. we're just, we're seeking, we're open to all the ideas. Yeah. Now, now let, me, let me bring up some tension on the other end, mm-hmm. okay, if I can. Uh, because there's this tension between religion and Jesus. And to me, like, you can't separate the two. That's like even as churches start or, you know, other Christian faiths or religions, you know, f- you know, denominations start, is like they end up forming a, de- a denomination in itself, right? A non-denom or whatever the case may be. Why? To put framework around what they're learning, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, and to have a certain dogma that's guiding them, right? So, so even even that is religion in itself. So, yeah. you know, like like you can't say I'm not religious, but I go to church. Like if you go to the same building more than once, <laughs> by definition, yeah. you're religious. You're right, because exactly. You're binding yourself again to these people, this place, this thing we're gonna do every Sunday. Like that is religion. Exactly. So, saying is like you can't pull apart the bone and the marrow. Like you mm. can't separate. Um, you know, the blood out of the body and have life. Like so, you can't separate Jesus from religion. They're 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 in of the same to be in relationship to bind together, right? And and to grow. But if I could bring up the tension on the other end, uh, from a lot of people who quote unquote would say that they're not religious, is that they're turned off by religion because of people who what they would say is over religiosity. Is and I can see it. Like I can see it in our world, in our culture, and in certain religions and faiths, and in uh, certain Catholic, you know, sects. Is this over religiosity or perception of over religiosity, right? That just makes people feel really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think it's based on anytime we believe within ourselves that God came to show us the right way to do things. And so we have to stick to the right way of doing things. It's it's a shallow view of salvation. It's a shallow view of Jesus Christ. Like, he didn't come to show us how to do things well so that God would not be offended. Like That's not it. He came to be God with us, Emmanuel. Like, knowing Jesus is knowing the Father. Having a relationship with him and loving him, giving our life to him, is giving our life to God. Like, that is why he came. And... When we make religion an idol, so to speak, it's because we say doing these things makes everything okay. Right. So do it this way, and everything will be fine. And we become angry at everyone who doesn't do it that way. Right. I think that's what turns people off. Right. And I think in a good way, because it it, it really is a shallow view of this whole Christianity thing. Right. But St. Paul himself says, you know, that's why he's saying, don't go back to the law. Like, don't. Don't just follow the law and think everything will be fine. Faith has come. Jesus has come. But the law teaches you to follow Jesus. Right. That's what he says. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so religion and Jesus and faith are all together in in helping us to fully comprehend who God is, right? And, you know, I certainly see people who, quote unquote, over-religious or what people call them. And I see people who you know, are against religion and it's, you know, it's me and Jesus and, you know, we got bumper stickers all over our car and whatever. I, you know, you kind of have these perceptions of things, but I think here's the reality is that on opposite ends of that spectrum and everything in the middle is that we're all seeking the same thing. we all want to seek truth, Mm -hmm. happiness, uh, answers to our questions. And I think we can all understand is that God uses those things to help reveal himself so that we can fully understand him. So for people to point fingers at people who are religious or over-religious, they're seekers of truth, right? Yeah. And the church helps reveal that truth. Um, and for people who are, quote-unquote, non-religious, they're seeking truth too, and we kind of we have to love each other yeah. in the midst of that seeking and believe that, that, that God can use so many things to help so many people discover who he is. Well, if we're friends of each other, like you said, we need to love each other, then we're trying to help each other find what we're seeking. Right. Like if I was going to be a friend of the Magi 
and maybe I was, you know, working in a gas station on their route, right? And then they come in, they're buying their their gum and getting their gas. So where are y'all heading, right? <clears throat> oh, we're going to find the newborn king. If I would say, oh, yeah, I know where Bethlehem's at. It's, you know, that way. Then I'm helping them find what they're seeking, right? right? Herod was not helping them find what they're seeking. Even though, even though he helped them find Jesus, it was for a wrong reason. Right. And we can do that too. We can manipulate people in their seeking. Yeah. Um, like, for example, I, I'm a Catholic. I 100% believe that the Lord Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church. And that this is the church he intends everyone to be, to be in. I also know that not everyone is going to die a Catholic. So the thing is, I, I shouldn't manipulate people and try to get them on my side and become Catholic. That's not, that's not the point of evangelization. Right. Right? But the point is, you have your journey, I have my journey. I, I know Jesus is calling everyone into his one church, but it's going to be different for you than it's going to be different for me. I need to help you find what you're seeking. Right. Like, that's what a friend does. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big issues that we have in this in this conversation, this topic, is that we don't dialogue with people to help understand them. We dialogue or have conversations with people so so that we can force ourselves onto them, our, our beliefs, agenda. our agenda. Like Herod. Yeah, instead of dialoguing and say, help me understand, like, what do you believe? What do you practice? And, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of friends and family who aren't practicing Catholics who love Jesus mm. and are very faithful people. It's not my job to my to to force anything onto them, but to love them and to understand and me to grow from them because, uh, hello, there are a lot of amazing things happening in the church that are outside, you know the the you know the practice of the Catholic faith that that God's using, you know, and and so we can learn from each other in the Christian world, but we got to dialogue with each other. Yeah, like we got to understand each other. And but I, I see people on both ends, honestly, who are who are not seeking. Right. to understand each other, who are not seeking to grow from each other, who are not seeking to dialogue with each other. I mean, you know, sometimes, like, you know, I have friends who, who aren't Catholic who have who have visited with the Pope, who have dialogued with the Vatican. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is, like, great. Like, let's talk about bringing Jesus to the world and, and helping to link arms with each other in doing that, right? Because the world's seeking. Well, and I think if religion, the word religion invokes in us a reaction on either side, like those who hate religion, well, you're awful. Right. Or those that love religion, you're awful too. <laughs> right. um, it's a good measure of where am I in my seeking. Yeah. Because if if I'm serious about my seeking, then those who have claimed to have found, I need to see if they're right. If the church claims to have found Jesus Christ, yeah. I need to figure out if that's true. Right. If I'm serious about my own seeking, if uh, Buddha has claimed it, whatever. You know, like if, if there's a claim out there that someone has found what I'm seeking and I'm serious about it, then it's not a threat to me. Like Herod, like it's not a threat to me for you to say that there's a newborn king in Bethlehem in a particular place and that we can go find him. Right. Because if that's true, let's go. Right. Right. And so if, if the idea of religion is abhorrent to us, or if it's like our only salvation, then, right. then we need to ask ourselves, you know, what is, am I a seeker? Am I really seeking Jesus Christ, or am, do I have another agenda? Right. 
which is what I love about our faith is that it's not at odds with seeking. It's not at odds with science. It's not mm. at odds with reason. It's not at odds with intellect. It's not at odds with studying. It, it's it's not at odds with those things. Mm -hmm. Like our faith says, take in all those things because it's actually those things that are going to help us and you fully understand who God is, right? And I think a lot of times, like, you know, we think that faith is at odds with all those things. And so, you know, we can just read one little passage and understand everything about Jesus. And that's it's not the case. You know, that's what I love about our faith. And it's so when people everything. are having this tension and they're asking these questions, and that they're even maybe even saying uh, that they're a non-believer. And look, hello, like all Christians who are listening to this, Catholic, not Catholic, like we live in a world where more people now are struggling with their faith and believing than are. So like we all need to kind of be in this together. Believing anything. Yeah. So if someone's asking questions to me, encourage it because that's the beginning of conversion. It's asking questions. Even if they're saying, I don't believe, I don't believe in God, if they're asking questions, I know and believe that God can use the intellect to draw someone to the fullness of understanding the faith. Well, and one of the challenges, I think, of the Catholic Church today is to create environments where questions can be asked. And you hear this from people all the time. Like, I do RCIA at our local church, and... Uh, some Catholics always end up going, whether they're sponsors or they just heard about the class. They end up in the thing, and they say, man, we we never learned any of this stuff. Right. Or I, ne I was never able to ask anybody that question. And this is one of the challenges we have, is that when we're, I don't want to say over-religious, but when we, when we boil our faith down to what happens on Sunday and that we do it right, yeah. then we forget about this whole relational aspect and the seeking aspect. Like, we have to be in groups that are seeking together right. and asking questions together, or else we, we miss the whole boat. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when I dialogue with people and they ask me questions to understand the faith or I'm trying to understand them, you know, it's great because when you dialogue and people are saying, you know, well, I don't understand, you know, the Mass or yada yada, I want to say, you know, when I begin to explain, you know, what happens or what goes on, you know, you can... You know, people were like, I didn't I didn't know that. Like, I didn't mm. know you read the Bible at Mass. You know, I didn't know those readings were from Bible. I, I didn't know, you know, like like all these things. I didn't know you were, you know, you you know, everything's leading to the... Like all these things that you explain, and people are like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know it. Because you're not dialoguing. You know, people are asking questions, but we're just giving them information instead of helping them to discover the answer to the question by what they're seeking. And what's the root word of question? What? Quest. Gaze. So if we're not asking questions or encouraging questions, then people aren't on quests to find anything. They're not seeking anything. And I mean, they might come to Mass once a week, <clears throat> but their kids won't. Right. Because people that aren't seeking don't inspire others. Because we all want to seek. We all want to find. We all want to go on the adventure, the journey of life, right? And if we're not seeing in the church those who are seeking and finding and that adventure of life, mm -hmm. we're going to seek somewhere else. Yeah. And so, like, if you, if you know a friend or a family member or a young adult or a teenager who's stagnant and not into their faith, just get, like, at least poke them to ask questions. Yep. And don't be offended or afraid. Yep. Like, that's that's a good thing. Like, stir up the the flame that's already inside them to seek. 
right? Yep. So they could be asking ridiculous questions, or <laughs> they could be, um, you know, coming up with with really, you know, ridiculous answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, but keep poking that fire because those questions will end up being answered the right. I really believe that. You know, I've I've had young adults come to my office with list of scrolls of questions, scrolls of questions, and they almost feel guilty for asking questions. Like there's certain guilt. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm asking this. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I'm asking this. You know, I'm so sorry I'm struggling with believing this. I'm so you know. Or this is gonna sound stupid, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, ask. Just keep asking. And I and sometimes most times I'll say like, I'm gonna tell you this. I might. I'm probably not gonna know all the answers to your questions, but just keep asking them. Right. Keep discovering them. Read this book. You know. uh, Here's here's somebody who talked about like like give them resources and you know, stir in the flame, poke that fire. And what ends up happening, you know, at least in my experience, is that when people are seekers, they end up finding the truth. Just like the Magi. Just I mean, like the Magi. How many people did Jesus Christ himself walk by on the street and nothing happened? But these men from a distant country at a time where there was no airports, okay, somehow found the Lord Jesus Christ and knew who he was. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? They were seeking. Yep. Now, that being said, they were wealthy enough to be to have to live a but life. But they were longing. They were looking right. for signs for God, for answers. And, so. But Jesus walked by thousands of people in his life that were not seeking anything. Amen. Or not seeking him. And so we can't be those people where Jesus no. just walks by. Let's not stay stagnant this year. Let's not stop seeking. Even for those out there who are like super great at relationship and church and religion, and those of you who are way far behind, let's all seek and grow mm-hmm. and learn. So we close out the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to be seekers this year, what we can do. It's Paul and Adam, Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George and Adam Conk in studio, bro. Happy New Year again. Happy New Year, 2019. 2019. A seeking year, apparently. That's gonna be a good year, man. What I, will you find in 2019? I have a feeling. <gasps> I got a feeling. Don't get hooked on it. I'm hooked on a feeling. I heard those can be addictive feelings. Yeah. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a six pack of seeking. <laughs> question (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're gonna do uh what does it mean to be a seeker because you know we've talked a lot about it you know and you know to not be vague uh to really put some practical things around it uh and so we're gonna go back and forth with what does it mean to be a seeker and to put those things into action so i'm gonna do question number one oh my gosh yeah i'll put you on the spot all right okay so maybe for someone who is uh you know new to conversion uh you know, new to the faith or not into their faith at all. Okay. Um, what is, what is like a step or something they can do to start seeking and maybe, you know, and finding answers to what they're seeking? What's a starting point for them? Well, I think the starting point is wrestling with the claim of Jesus Christ 
and whether I'm going to take that seriously or not. I mean, that, that's where everything starts, right? So the, here's the claim of Jesus Christ. A man born in Bethlehem 2018 years ago, or 19 years ago, or mm-hmm. whatever, claims to be God and claims to come back at some point to judge the world. Yeah. And you're either going to be with him or apart from him forever. Hmm. It's a pretty big claim. Yeah. All right? Huge claim. So the thing is, I would say, so what? Ask that question. Ask that first question. So what? Right. If he's right or if he's wrong, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. And don't rest with that question. Keep wrestling with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jacob in the Old Testament wrestled with the presence of God or the angel, and it, and it hurt, right? Like he broke a hip. But that's the whole point. Like, if you're not wrestling with that, then the rest of it's not going to make sense. So what would be a good starting point to wrestle with it, to read, to to look? Well, um, I would say the Gospels and Rethink Happiness by Paul George. So I, I would say together. the Gospels, too, would be a good place just to, to kind of dig in about mm-hmm. this claim. You know, it would be a good point. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, question number two. Okay, so seeking is good, but is there a, is there a negative, not a negative stuff, but is there a too much? In other words, like, is there such a thing as I'm always looking for the next new thing or the new whatever, and I just can't be satisfied with what I have? And what's the difference between someone who's a seeker and that person? Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, our seeking, I think, eventually leads to growing. So I think, you know, I would hate for for seekers uh, to constantly be feeling like they're, they're exhausted, they're tired. Like seeking should be about growing and fulfillment, you know? So for, for people who are, you know, into their faith, like don't freak out and be like, you know, like I need a, I need to, you know, tire myself out. What I would say to those people is, you know, decide this year what you're going to do to grow. Maybe, you know, find a couple of good spiritual reads from, from the church fathers or some saints, uh, some things you haven't read or grown or known about, and just use this year to kind of grow in a way that you haven't, you know, before, you know. So maybe there's areas of your faith that you don't understand well. Read about those things. But we shouldn't reach too far to where we're constantly feeling like we're, you know, we're not satisfied. Hmm. Explore that a little more. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Not satisfied. So should we, with that balance of being satisfied, but also yeah, not being complacent. Yeah, not what, being what's the complacent. Difference? Well, I mean, I think we are satisfied in Christ. So mm. we've we've you know found the answer. We know that He's the source. So we need to ask Him where do we need to grow? You know, Jesus, where do you want me to grow this year? Uh, Jesus, what areas of my life do I need to not be complacent? Do I need to to dig in? And maybe that's uh, intellectually. Maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's psychologically, maybe it's, you know, spiritually in my prayer life, you know, maybe it's, you see what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. so there's, conversion is not just about, you know, me knowing Jesus, it's about me growing as a whole person. It's about me being fully alive, fully healthy uh, in Christ. So ask Jesus what he wants you to do. But I I can tell you this, part of the answer I can already tell you is that Jesus doesn't want you to be complacent but to be satisfied in him mm-hmm. and let him lead you on that journey. I love it. 
Yeah. All right. So question number three, um, you know, you probably won't have a full list here, but give me a couple of good reads to be a seeker this year outside of sacred scripture. You know, so I would encourage people and even myself this year to kind of rediscover scripture, rediscover the Bible, get back into the gospels and the epistles and maybe dive into the old Testament and, you know, don't put that Bible down. But outside of that, what what would be a, a, a list of few books to be like, this would be good reads. Well, or authors or yeah. writers or saints. Okay. So, well, I think to answer that question, there's a personal side in that I really have to ask myself, what is my education level? Mm-hmm. Because this is something we don't really take seriously. It's like, all right, if I have stu- if I have finished high school, for example, then I've read some textbooks or gone through some stuff that's pretty intricate in regards to chemistry or history or whatever. I should be able to read at that same level in the faith. If I finished a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a doctorate, like in other words, whatever our intellectual formation, wherever that's taken us, and we're able to handle certain challenging material, I should be able to handle that same level of intensity in reading about the faith. So if I can't, in other words, if I pick up um, a book on the faith that high school theology, let's say, and I just don't understand it, then I should be seeking to grow to that in this year. It, sh- it won't take you a long time because you're an adult and you've, you have graduated high school, okay? <laughs> but I need to start with the end in mind of bringing my intellectual capacity for the faith to match the rest of my life. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that looks different for everybody. But one book you have to wrestle with um, is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but not all of it. All right. I mean, you could. You could read a cover. I would cover. take it by topic. Take it by topic. And the thing is, choose the topic you are least adequate with. Not the one you're most interested in. Maybe both, all right, if you have time. But I would say, look, if somebody asked me a question about this, I couldn't explain it. Right. Just read those few catechism paragraphs. There's an index in the back, or you could Google search Catechism of the Catholic Church Purgatory. It could or, be anything. It could be, I don't understand creation. I don't understand prayer. I don't understand the sacraments. I don't understand who Jesus is. I don't right. understand God the Father. I don't understand uh, the church. I don't, you know, understand. And it's all in there, so you can pick a topic and yeah. read about it. And wrestle with it. Yeah, and they're, they're all scriptural-based, so mm-hmm. it'll, it'll tie you back into sacred scripture, and you can read about it. But every Catholic needs to wrestle with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, every yeah. single one, mm-hmm. but at the level of your intellectual formation, right? But it needs to be at that level, and most of us are satisfied. You know, I love running into engineers who could build bridges, but like can't explain purgatory. And it's like, okay, well, here's a challenge for you. <laughs> you right. know, like if you can explain all of these complicated things that no one else knows how to do, you can get purgatory, but you need to do the work, right? So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I would also recommend a good saint book that matches uh, where you think you need to grow. I love St. Francis de Sales for a lot of reasons. He's very practical, and he gives a lot of like short, useful phrases in his books. Um, one book, Introduction to the Devout Life, is a classic and especially if you're not a religious person, quote-unquote. In other words, if if being faithful to the same community, the same ritual, the same work is a struggle for you, you know, like maybe going to Mass every Sunday is hard for you, 
Introduction to Devout Life is a good book for that because it he explains the sweetness of devotion. In other words, it's actually a great thing to be faithful to the devout life, to to saying the rosary, to going to mass, to belonging to your parish community. Like these are great things, and there's a sweetness to it you can discover. It's not just a burden. So anyway, that's two. I guess two. Yeah, catechism, no, introduction to devout life, and there's tons of books out there um, and resources. Mm-hmm. You know, and we could go on forever. Go on know? forever. You know what one I love, though, Lent's coming up, is uh, The Seven Last Words by St. Robert Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. And he just, he uh, considers, it's like little homilies on the seven last things Jesus said on the cross. And it's uh, it's phenomenal. And so it'd be a good seeking thing because, again, like, we found Jesus, okay? He's in the church. But we need to keep exploring Jesus. And those seven last things he said on the cross are, like what he says, it's his best homilies. Yeah. They're so deep and rich, but they're so short. And so it's a great example of seeking depth instead of width, right? Like, like we don't need to search the world for Jesus, but we do need to search within the church, like within who he is. We need to look him in the face and grow in love of him. So, yeah, a third book, Seven Last Words by St. Robert Bell. Yeah, and if you're still wrestling with who Jesus is, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity yes, is a good yeah. you know, opening read to that. And maybe we'll come up with a reading list um, you know, at another show. So, All right, question number four. Paul, it hurts to seek sometimes mm-hmm. because we have to change. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes the thing we're seeking is beyond us because we're in the way. Mm-hmm. But we don't like to do that. We like to avoid anything that would make us confront those things about us that are keeping us from growing. But you've worked with a lot of people to get them over that hump. Like, all right, look, the problem is you, <laughs> right? So what's your advice if, like, that's us? You know, if there's there's an issue in our life where we need to grow, we need to seek Jesus, but we're getting in the way, how do we realize that and, and uh, encourage us to confront that? Yeah. Well, when Jesus makes a claim, he's the way, the truth, and the life. We've heard the saying, the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the truth hits us in the face to, to wake up to the reality of in what ways, in what areas of my life am I not living the truth? Am I not faced with the truth? Am I not in line with the truth? And to, to that point, like, the truth hurts, but, you know, I would say that there there's certain pain in life that's worth it, that... That actually, you know, it feels good to go through the pain, you know. Um, And discovering who God is, sometimes it's painful because we realize, I don't know as much as I thought I did. Or I need to be a little bit humble. I've been very prideful about what I think or believe. And I I need to kind of, you know, bend a little here. And Or I need to change. I need to, you know, uh, you know, I just talking to a guy who had a conversion and he's getting involved in his faith. And then I saw him with his wife and the way he talked to his wife was just like, wait, what? You know, like now he's got to connect the dots with, you know, like bringing it into his relationship and his marriage. Right. So that's why conversion we believe is ongoing. God's constantly working on us to grow. And I know for me this year, there's things that he wants me to grow in so that at the end of 2019, I can be holier, I can be better. And I think it's just good to, to ask those questions. You know, wh- where, God, do you want me to align in truth this year? Where where am I out of line? Where do I need to seek more? Where do I need to grow? And that's why I said earlier, it's not just intellectual. It, it's, it's 
it's the whole person. And so don't be afraid of the truth, because the truth sets us free, is what Scripture says. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth hurts, but the truth sets us free, and that's what we all want. We want freedom. So question number five. Uh, you're married with kids, and I kind of just brought up the, the story there. Uh, how, if someone's living in a vocation of marriage, um, how can they be a seeker of truth together as a unit in their marriage? Well, first, it takes humility. And so I would take a pulse on your marriage of how much you actually support one another in the things you're seeking. Like, for example, if, if the wife is seeking um, a new job or um, certain education or to grow in a certain way, like how supportive are you of that? And vice versa, if the husband is, I don't know, seeking a new job or um, whatever. Take a pulse of how much you actually encourage each other naturally, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's tension there, if like if if you seeking somehow threatens me, or if I'm a jealous person, right? Then what I would say is there's a lack of humility because in reality, your relationship with God is your thing, and I have to respect that. And my relationship with God is my thing, and you have to respect that. And so. The point of marriage is to help each other seek that will of God. It's the whole point. Yeah. And so my companionship with you, this whole project we call marriage, is so that I will help you find what you're seeking, mm. which is the will of God. And you will help me find that. And it's not about me. Like, me being married to you is not about me. Right. It's about me helping you and helping our kids. But you first find the will of God for you and the happiness that you seek. And so when I turn marriage into something about me, out of pride, then I get disappointed and frustrated, and things you want to do threatens me. You know, like Herod, right? Like, mm. oh, you want to seek happiness in these friends that aren't me, or you want to, you know, you want to go visit with friends, so what, am I not enough for you? Or, right. you know what I mean? Or like something's missing in your life, but I'm in your life, am I not enough for you? Like, it's not about you. Right. Right? Um, so take your pulse on how much, you, how much you support one another. And then you need to grow in humility in finding that your marriage is not about you. It's about the other person mm-hmm. and helping them find what they need to find. Yep. Helping each other seek the truth together, to dig that treasure together, you know, and encourage each other in their own journey. I think that's beautiful. Question number six. Last one. <gasps> All right. So question number six. Maybe today's show was meaningful to us. Maybe these are ideas we've never thought about. Just maybe. And we are like all in. 2019 is going to be a seeking year. Paul George, I'm going to seek. So give me the top do and don't for the all-in person who's ready to seek in 2019. Okay. Well, one thing we didn't talk about within the six-pack, and I mm-hmm. would say this is a, a do, is if you're going to be a seeker, uh, you, need a, you need to have other people helping you seek. You know, mm-hmm. not if you're married, your spouse, but other people too. So find good people to help you find the truth, you know, because... You know, we we could seek things and it not be good for us. So we need to base our seeking on the foundation of who Christ is and then ask questions to people and, and invite people into our seeking. So I think a lot of times we want to seek alone. We feel alone. We're afraid to ask questions. We even apologize for asking questions or struggling with topics or ideas or thoughts or whatever. And I think the best seekers are the best ways to uncover, unpack, rediscover who, who Jesus is and faith is to invite people into that journey. I love that. 
So that's super important. So make a list of people to meet with, to surround yourself with, to ask questions to who you know are living it out, are are seeking the same things and are finding it. So, you know, Scripture says, you know, there's nothing more dangerous than the blind leading the blind. Uh, and so you don't want to surround yourself with other blind people who are in your situation who aren't finding the truth, right? So you want to surround yourself with people who are seeing uh, and seeking. So, and then I would say the top don't is don't do that alone. Don't isolate yourself in the seeking this year, um, because God's got more for you and surround yourself with those people. So. Yeah, I love that because sometimes when we think we're seeking, we're actually isolating ourselves like from our spouse or from yeah. our friends. So don't if, do it. If whatever you're doing to seek isolates you, bring it into big the light. red flag. Yeah, it's beautiful. You bring it into the light, it sets you free and it's, it's, it's awesome. And people can help you. People can guide you, uh, and they won't judge you. They'll, they will, so do that. So anyway, great show, man. Uh, great for, first show of the new year. Feel free to share the show this year. Invite people into it. A new Year's resolution. New Year's share resolution. I don't know. <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, the website, discovertheartofliving.com. You can support the show. All those things. Adam and I are super excited to be with you this year. So thanks, Adam, for today, and we'll be back next week. God bless.